Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Forty-one, Isaiah 41 and verse 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Let's, let's read that together, can we? For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Tonight, you know, I don't know what it is that you're going through and what it is that you're facing. I know that some in our church are facing health difficulties, financial trouble, whatever the case is tonight. No matter what it is that you're facing, God is able to help you. He is, he is standing ready and willing to come alongside of you and to help you tonight. That word in, in, the, in the Hebrew there uh, for hold is the word chazak. And we're going to put this up on the screen. Um, but this is just a little bit of a word study so that you, you can understand this verse. The word chazak means to strengthen, to confirm, and to restore. Various translations will say that God upholds your right hand. Some will say he takes your right hand, and some will say that he'll strengthen your right hand. The word hold is chazak in Hebrew, which means to strengthen, to confirm, or to restore. God will restore our strength and our power. Still, that does not fully explain chazak. Chazak is to have your strength restored or renewed by the addition of his strength. Like chopping wood, he grabs the axe with you and the combination of your strength and his makes the job seem effortless. Yet the passage, the passage says, the Lord your God, the word Lord is Jehovah, you have God addressed as Jehovah and Elohim. Both feminine and masculine traits are present when he restores our strength. So it says the Lord your God. The Lord is Jehovah and God is the word Elohim. So you have both you have both feminine and masculine qualities of God present when he restores your strength. Jehovah is the feminine and is used when speaking of God's feminine nature, his gentleness, his nurturing and his caring. Elohim is masculine and represents God's masculine nature, his protection, his provision, his sheltering. Plus the word for hold or strengthen is a hyphal participle. It's a type of Hebrew participle. It's causative type of action in its active voice. In other words, it means this. So it is not that he will, future tense, but he is at this moment bringing about events that will strengthen and encourage us. So right now, God, both in his feminine nature and his masculine nature, both God and his nurturing, his goodness, his gentleness, and God in his full strength, his full protection, his full power is standing ready to uphold you at this moment. He is taking hold of your right hand this very moment, strengthening you, sustaining you, and bringing every bit of power necessary to walk you through every situation you're facing. Amen. Amen. 
At this moment, his hand is also on the axe that you are swinging. We are receiving a continual infusion of strength and power from God, but in a gentle Jehovah motherly way and a protective fatherly way. God knows just what it is we need and when we need it. Sometimes we are so beaten down that he needs to come into us in a tender way, wiping our tears away and speaking gently to us to restore our strength. And other times we just get to feeling sorry for ourselves. And we start rolling around in our self-pity such that God has to use the shepherd's staff and pull us into safety and health. Either way, we need not fear for he does, not, he does promise to us help. That word help in the Hebrew is azar. It's more than just help. You know, someone coming in, oh, I'm going to help you and just simple help. It's more than just that. It is someone partnering with you and working with you each step of the way from start to finish. I believe that he who has begun a good work in you, Paul said, is able to complete it. He is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. He is able to complete what he started in your life. He's not going to leave you high and dry in the middle of circumstance that you're facing right now. It doesn't matter what name the situation bears. God's name is greater and he will not leave you stranded in the middle of that circumstance. He has come to help you. He's come to partner with you. He's come to labor with you. He's come to wrestle with you. Remember in Romans 8.26, the scripture in Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us. Soon anti-lambanamai. In the Greek, that's, I'm praying in tongues, that's Greek. Soon anti-lambanamai. That the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He comes in, he partners with us. He labors with us. And the story the, or the illustration that I always give here to illustrate this word is he's like, a, he's like a lifeguard that sees us drowning out in the middle of life's oceans and he comes out and wrestles with us until we get to safety. You might feel like tonight you are absolutely drowning and sinking in life circumstances. And if you're here tonight and everything's going great and life is perfect and smooth sailing, just wait. The seasons always change. <laughs> so either you need to know this now because you're in it, or you need to know it because someone else you know is in it, or you need to know it because you're going to face it in the near future. But know this, the Spirit helps, everybody say helps, helps. us in our weakness. Soon anti-lambanamai, he comes out and he wrestles with us. For we don't know what we ought to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. So how is he helping us? He's helping us when we don't know what to do. He's helping us in our circumstance, in our situation. And he's helping us because we don't know how to pray in the middle of the situation like we should. In the middle of the situation, you're probably going to pray a prayer like, God, get me out of this. And all the while, God's saying, I want you in it. I want to keep you in it. You're in it for my purpose. You're in it for my glory. You're in the middle of this thing because God has ordained your steps to be in the middle of this thing. Well, do you mean that God's going to cause this sickness? Do you mean that God's going to cause this financial heart? I thought I was, I thought I was believing God and walking under the blessing of the Lord. Why is this happening? You are walking under the blessing of the Lord. That's why you're in this thing. 
What did James say? When you face trials, when you face difficulties, when the, the Greek is multicolored uh, hardships, various difficulties, when you face them, what, Lester? Count it all joy. Command yourself. Count. The word count. And this mic's really hot, guys. That word count is to command. It's to say to yourself, self, stop rolling around in your pity. Self, stop being aggravated about this. Self, stop having, having pity parties about this. Self, you will be joyful about this. Don't look at me like that. It's the Bible. Some of you just glared at me like, I don't want, you're crazy, Pastor. I'm not going to tell myself to be joyful. I like being depressed. I like being discouraged about this thing. It makes me feel good about myself to be discouraged. At least I know that I can, I'm in control of myself. You know how many times I've heard that? That is the silliest thing. People, you start talking about the supernatural joy of the Lord. And, you know, they, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be control, uncontrollably laughing. At least when I'm discouraged, I can be in control. I'm in control. You're not in control. Your flesh is in control. You're no more in control of that situation. You're not in control of that situation. God's ordaining your steps. Stop being cranky about it and get happy. The hotter the fire, the more joy you can have. The hot, I'll say that again because some of you need to let it sink in. The hotter the fire you face, the more joy that you can have. If you've ever, you know, if you ever see me in a service and I, and I am absolutely undone, annihilated under the Holy Ghost laughter of heaven, you can rest assured the fire's turned up. <laughs> the fire is heated up. Now, not always, but sometimes I just need the joy of the Lord. I just want to laugh. It's a lot better than... Being cranky. He comes and he helps us. How does he help us? We don't know how to pray. We say, God, get me out of this thing. Hit the reset button, Lord. Hit the eject button. Do something, God. Reverse. Can you take me back in time? Do something. Why, God? Anybody been there? Maybe you're living it. See, we don't know how to pray. James tells us that, actually. Why do we not have answered prayers? Because we ask amiss. We ask according to our own desires. Your prayer to get out might just be the antithesis of what God's praying for you. How do you know to pray what God's praying? How do you know how to pray what God's praying? The Spirit helps you. How does He do it? Let's read the verse. It says, with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is, this is a reference to praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I believe that praying in our natural language is powerful and we need to pray and we need to pray in our whatever our earthly language is that we, we natural language, we pray in our natural language. But there is power in praying in tongues. There is power praying and worshiping in the Spirit. Because now all of a sudden, instead of praying your own will, praying your own desires, you're now praying the will of God for your life. Some of you just turned me off and said, there he goes again, praying in tongues. Is that all he ever talks about? 
Yes. I'm going to talk about it until you start doing it. Because if all you ever do is do it when you get here and it's just shabba-dabba-ding-dong and you go home and that's it, that's not going to help you get through when hell is breaking loose on your life. You need to learn how to dig up your spiritual prayer language and learn to pray in tongues until you hit bottom, until the glory comes, until you pray through. As the, the, old, the old church used to say, we've got to learn how to pray through. Grab hold of the horns of the altar and pray through. I'm glad we ain't got no horns, but you need to grab hold of yourself and pray. Pray until you hit bottom. Pray until the glory comes. Pray until you have an answer. Pray until you have revelation. Pray until you have peace. Pray until you stop striving. <laughs> How long should I pray, Pastor? Pray until you can't see yourself anymore. Pray until you can't see that situation anymore. All you see is the glory. Well, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, this is a good reason to be. Well, I don't, yeah, yield. That's a great four-letter word that no Christian likes to hear. I think it's actually five, but I'll call it four. <laughs> we never want to hear, we don't want to hear that word yield. We got to do it. We got to make it happen. Bless God, I'm going to break through, tear down, pull down until something happens. And you are going to wear yourself out and you're going to be absolutely bound up in fear and anxiety and worry until Jesus comes back because you're trying to pull down things, tear down things, break through things that Jesus never intended to be torn down, broke through. and The very thing you're wrestling against, Paul told, or Paul told, Jesus told Paul, you need to stop kicking against the goads. Stop kicking. What are the goads? Those pointy little things that stick out that make the animal move forward? You're, you're kicking against the very thing that God's placed in your life to be a safeguard. The boundary, the, the, the hardship, the difficulty, the circumstance that you're facing is God trying to set your life in order. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate that. The very thing, the very hardship that you're going through. You know, this isn't a popular message. You know, if you hang around certain circles in, in church long enough, they'll tell you that the only reason you face hardship is because you don't have enough faith. Well, the only, the only reason that you're facing sickness is, well, you got sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. So that's why you're going through what you're going through. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell? The very, the very thing that you're going through is the very thing that God has ordained. Do we believe or not believe that God is sovereign and ordains the steps of his children? Yeah. I'm not saying that God is sitting in heaven writing the sickness and the disease and the financial trouble of your life. But I am saying that the very God who created all things is sitting and orchestrating the steps of our life so that he gets the glory and you get the joy. That's Bible. Romans 8. Go read it. It's absolutely Bible. God's orchestrating the details so that you get happy. You need to be happified. You get happy and God get glorified. I promise. I'm not telling you a lie. It's in the Bible. He comes to help us. I got all off on this sidetrack just by helps. This wasn't where I was going, but it's where we are. So he's come to help you. He's come to strengthen you. Yeah. My wife believes me. 
Our God, in His nurturing nature, in His goodness, in His kindness, His loving kindness for you is new and fresh every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Well, you know, I've heard this a lot. This tithing thing just ain't working. This reading my Bible thing just ain't working. This worshiping thing just ain't working. I've heard this a lot. This, you know, this isn't anything new. This is like, you know, we're talking about press repeat. I have a repeat CD. I could just play this. I've heard this so many times. Well, it just ain't working. How long have you been trying to control the things of your life? How many years have you spent in rebellion to the plan of God? How many years have you spent trying to do it yourself? How many years have you been doing it opposite God's way? And you expect God to overnight snap his fingers and make it all better? I believe that he has power to do that and can should he can do that should he choose. But more times than not, God places the goads. He places the difficult things. He places the situations in our life so that we can step back and say... My life's been out of order. God, what do you say about this? God, what does your word say about this? What is your promise about this situation? What does your word say about this financial difficulty or this health situation? What is your promise about this? Lord, set my life in order. Yield. All he's looking for. Give up. Stop trying to fix it. Begin to work and cooperate with him, and it starts with yielding. That actually takes me to my first point. I knew I'd get there sooner or later. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, how do we deal with hardship? How do we deal with difficult situations? How do we face, how, what does this mean that the Lord our God will uphold our right hand? He'll strengthen you. How do I step into the strength of the Lord? I'm glad you asked. It's time to wrap up service, so I'll tell you next week. No, I'm just joking. We're gonna, it is time to wrap up service, but I'm going to tell you at least the first point. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Are there any people of God in here? Some of you are uncertain. That's okay. We will give a salvation altar call tonight. And you can be sure. If you are a people of God, there is a rest for you. God's intention for your life is not to strive over trying to make things work. You know, I, I had a revelation this week. Let me just share my personal revelation. You know, we, go on, we went on vacation and we got back. I was telling Heather Monday night. I said, you know, it has probably been about 10 years since I have left a, a ministry job and I have gone home at night and I've turned off and, and literally have turned off and, and have left ministry at, at the church. That's a hard thing to do. And you may say, well, pastor, that's just not healthy and blah, blah, blah. You can get, listen, I've heard it all before. Welcome to ministry. <laughs> and that's just my, you know, that's my carnal nature is just to take it home and to work. And I got to, you know, I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm just telling my own stories. I don't know. You may not have any of your stories. You may look at me and say, you're a filthy sinner. That's okay. I'll just, maybe my story will help one person. And so I, I, Monday night I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not striving anymore. I'm not doing this, you know, ministry stuff, striving. I'm coming home on, 
you know, and when I can, not every night of the week I can do that, but when I can, I'm just turning off. I'm going to turn off. I don't need to carry it with me. God's got it covered. God's got it covered. I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to, God doesn't need me to figure it out. He's got it covered. That's a big revelation for a stubborn preacher, okay? So just give me some grace. You might just be looking at me and say, you are so carnal. Well, look at yourself in the mirror. You got your issues too. Don't judge. So, you know, I, I've got, you know, I felt like I got freedom and I was like, I'm liberated. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, learning to enter the rest of God comes at, at layers. So, to, you know, it's like the onion thing. We just learn little by little, step by step. Every step we take, there's a, there's a little bit more rest. There's a little bit more peace. You and I have to strive. What does it say here in Hebrews 4? For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent. Let us strive to enter that rest. What are we to be diligent about? What are we to strive over? To enter the rest of God. Striving to yield. Our carnal nature doesn't want to yield to God. We want what we want when we want. It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, it's all, it's all about me. Life is about me. Decisions are about me. Where I go, it's about me. What makes me happy? What makes me say? Well, it's all about me. By the way, we sang a hymn tonight. So if you know somebody that's grumpy because we don't sing hymns, they tell them they need to be here on Wednesday nights. <laughs> it's all about me. It's all about me. <laughs> Strive to enter his rest. This is, if you read in Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about Joshua and how he was leading them and the, the Israelites. It's a picture. This is a picture. Entering the rest is a picture of the way that was opened up to us by Christ. In our natural strength and our natural ability, we try to do it ourselves. We try to fix it ourselves. Joshua was leading, if you go back in, in Joshua, Joshua was leading in, in chapter 1, the people into the promised land. And what did he say to them? God gave Joshua a promise, you know, stay in the word, to keep the word of God first, the paramount, the, the pinnacle of all things. But then Joshua takes that word from the Lord, and he turns it around, and he gives it to the people in this form. Prepare yourselves, for in three days we're crossing over. Prepare yourselves. The battle was still ahead. They hadn't gotten out of the battles. There was still a battle to face. They still had to take possession of the land. There were still difficulties that they were going to face ahead. But prepare yourself for in three days we're crossing over. You are in a season of life, my friend. When you find yourself in difficulties, when you find yourself in the hard place, you are in a season of life of preparation for the things to come. You're in a season of preparation for the, uh, for the blessing and the promises of God to come. You can never receive a fulfilled promise until you go through a circumstance or a situation that requires the promise of God. If everything you went through, you know, you can't, uh, the old saying, you can't have the testimony without the test. You can't, you can't have the blessing until you go through the circumstance that requires that blessing. That circumstance begins to open up the door for the blessing of the Lord in your life. It, it opens up the door to discover who God is and the, the blessing of, of His nature. 
in that circumstance. And all of a sudden in that hardship, you begin to discover the God who answers in difficult times. The God who provides a sacrifice when there seems to be no sacrifice. The God who answers in that circumstance. God wants to exchange your wilderness for rest tonight. God wants to exchange your wilderness for rest. Stop striving in the wilderness and enter to strive to enter the rest of God. Number two, we have to keep the proper perspective. I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. What are we to do in all things? This is the will of God for us right here in all things, in all circumstances. Rejoice. The word rejoice in the Greek there is to be joyful in grace. The word ceasing, pray without ceasing, is to stay in a continued state of prayer. That we should not allow anything to keep us out of a state of prayer. Are you living in such a way that you are constantly in a place of prayer and communion with the Lord? Are you allowing circumstance to steal that joy and that opportunity? It's getting quiet up in here. Because when, when you face difficulties, what's the first thing that goes? Okay, God... Communication with him ceases. I got to start figuring this out. I got to start figuring how to, how to solve this, how to fix this. And that's not the plan of God. When circumstance happens, when life happens, it ought to be an immediate turn. Lord, I need to learn how to rejoice in your grace in this. Lord, I need to, I need to learn what it means to have a continued state of prayer through this. The only thing that's going to get you through, it's like, you know, someone who can't breathe, someone who needs oxygen. What do they do? They hook up to their oxygen machine and they wrap it around their, you know, you need to get your, you know, in this constant state of prayer, just get it, plug in, plug in and have a good, just keep it up, plug in. You need to plug in tonight. Get your Holy Ghost oxygen on. Get the atmosphere of heaven up your nostrils tonight. Why do they do that? The oxygen people have to do that because they can't breathe. They can't, in this atmosphere, they can't breathe. They've got to have the atmosphere of O2 running through their nose. You need the atmosphere of heaven running through your nose. <laughs> You could take that where you want it to go. You just need to you just need to, you just need to get heaven on the inside of you. That's why we stay in a continued atmosphere of prayer. And in all things give thanks. In all things give thanks. That's the word Eucharisteo. It's Jesus. And he gave thanks the night of his betrayal. He gave, he broke the bread, and he gave thanks, looking at the circumstances headed his way for the joy set before him. You can have joyful thanksgiving in the middle of your difficulty, but you've got to connect into heaven. That's not the natural response of man. Our natural, you know, this week, we've had a lot going on in our house. We're demoing our basement. We're installing, you know, we move in this new house, so we're doing all this stuff. And we go downstairs in the basement, you know, Heather's got to have dental work done. That's all going on 
while she's pregnant, and then we start demoing the basement, and we pull out the you know 70s paneling and all the stuff, and lo and behold, there's these huge cracks, the walls bowing, you know, all the wonderful things of Ohio, and the basement, and all these blasted basements around here. Who needs a basement anyway? So we've, uh, you know, so we've got we got, <laughs> we've got basement stuff going on. She starts ripping back paneling. We got black mold that shows up on I'm like, okay, we got to thank the Lord. Hallelujah. And what else? We had other things going on. I forget. What, oh, the air conditioner broke. The air conditioner went out. I was like, there was something else going on. See, I forget, you know, it's the, no big deal. God's got it covered. And so all of this stuff's happening. And what's, what's the natural, what's your natural response in the middle? What is going on? My wife is pregnant. <laughs> My parents are in town. <laughs> the air conditioner goes out. You know, you just start manifesting, you know. That's what, our natural response. That's not, you know, I had, a, I had a brief moment probably of that. I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go. Welcome, you know, our, our realtor. I was texting our realtor and telling her what all was going on. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we haven't been in the house, you know, 30 days. And texted her, letting her. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry all that's happening. Oh, my goodness. How are you all dealing with all this? I said, oh, welcome to our life. Well, this is good. We are in the fire, baby. We are good. This is good. This means we are in a great place. <laughs> I don't look at those things saying, oh, my goodness, here we go again. I can't believe it. God, oh, my goodness, here we go again. A pile. <laughs> I look at it and say, yeah, we in the fire. God loves us. We are good. He, he chastises those whom he loves. He loves me, baby. He's, he is in love with me. We are good. He, I'm going to be happy. We've fire turned up. I'm going to be really happy. I'm going to have a good time this week. You know, you can, just, you, can, you can be cranky and messed up and discouraged, or you can learn to be joyful. You can learn to be happy about it. Okay, who do we know? Who's going to help us? Okay, we'll just start texting. Well, okay, God's got a way. He's got an answer. What are we going to do? We've got to fix this, you know. The air conditioner guy. And then we had drama with the air conditioner guy. Don't even get me started about, what's the name? Clarks? Yeah, don't use them. So, <laughs> you see, what these people don't realize is I'm a pastor. So, I, I have a wide variety of audiences. So I'll just be happy and say, oh, I'll tell my church about you. <laughs> so, you know, so, oh, we drama with them. Okay, praise the Lord. Okay, who do we got? Who's going to fix this? Who's going to help us? Oh, well, Joe and Grace have a window unit. Oh, thank the Lord. Okay, so my, pre my pregnant wife, who's like going to choke me if we don't get a solution, they thank the Lord. We got a window, you know, we got a unit. And then so the guy, come, the guy came by yesterday was supposed to, he said, oh, I didn't fix it. Well, I got home and it was running perfectly fine, even though he said he didn't fix it. And he's like, well, we got to replace things. I'm like, you replace whatever you got to replace. It's running. God's given us grace. It's running. I don't know. It's a miracle. Whatever. I'll take it. Thank you, Lord. But, you know, and now we still got to deal with our basement. But, but you, can, you can look at those situations and just say, wow. Isn't that how we respond? We're like little babies in the arms of God. Say, oh, God, I don't understand. Or you can begin to have the perspective of heaven and say, I will encounter the grace of God through this. This is not meant for me to get in a self-loathing, depressed, 
hooba-juba of a mess. I'm not going to do that. That's not the intention of the Lord for me in this. I'm going to experience the grace of God. And you have to get violent with yourself sometimes. Have self, you will experience the joy of the Lord in this. Don't give yourself a heart attack. Don't do that. You know, you just say self, you know, do something. Self. But take authority over yourself. Don't allow yourself to go there. Say, I'm going to walk in the grace of the Lord in this. He's going to give me grace. He's going to give me grace through this, and His grace is going to make me happy. I'm going to be one happy person. And everybody's going to look at you and say, why are you so happy? Because I have grace. Your life's falling apart. Why are you so happy? Because I have grace. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. I have the grace of the Lord. But your life, but, but... Grace. And then all of a sudden, grace pours over into a continual state of prayer. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. I'm going to worship you in spite of the situation. And, you know, you might cross over a few times. You know, you might cross over out of the spirit into your natural, into your carnal. But get back in the spirit. And then you can offer thanks. Lord, I thank you that my basement wall is cracked and bowing in. I thank you, Lord, that we discovered this black mold before we lived here for five years and started growing fifth toes and having weird things happen. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we have six toes, whatever. <laughs> we had a problem when we went into the house and the black mold fixed it. Thank you, Lord, that you fixed my... <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you fixed my fifth toe. I needed that. <laughs> it's okay to be happy in church. <laughs> and then thirdly, you need to delight in God. <laughs> be happy. Be joyful. Feast on God. Learn to feast on God. Learn to feast on Him. You can't, you can't eat His flesh and drink His blood without being happy. It offends the natural and makes the spiritual joyful. I'll say that again. When Jesus looks at you and He says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood, it makes the, it makes the carnal man offended. It makes the religious man offended. Remember, they left Him. They left Jesus. And Jesus looked to the twelve and said, You want to go too? There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. He did. Read your Bible. He said it just like that. King James quoted him and said, there's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. <laughs> the anointing makes you happy. It does. With joy, we will draw from the wells of salvation. You know, it's... If the anointing doesn't make you happy, there's a problem. If someone tells you it's the anointing and it makes you depressed, it ain't the anointing. I promise. <laughs> Where was I going, Lord? Feast on God. Feast on God. Feast on the Lord. Jonathan Edwards coined this term, feasting on the Lord. There is a bountiful table spread pull up to the table, belly up to the table of the Lord and begin to feast. Feast on Him. The religious get offended, but the spiritual get full. They get satisfied. They overflow.
This is what Edwards said. Persons need not and ought not to set any bounds to their spiritual and gracious appetites. Instead, they ought to be endeavoring by all possible ways to inflame their desires and obtain more spiritual pleasures. Our hungerings and our thirstings after God and Jesus Christ and after holiness can't be too great for the value of these things, for they are things of infinite value. Therefore, endeavor to promote spiritual appetites by laying yourself in the way of allurement. Are you putting yourself in the way of the allurements of heaven? <laughs> Are you laying yourself out, allowing the Holy Spirit to paint you with the fragrance of heaven that attracts the very attention of God himself? To your life and he's attracted you he's allured he's allured to you and you're allured to him there's this ongoing internal allurement you step into the oh lord don't even get me started you step into this heavenly dance that's been going on <laughs> you going on since eternity past i hope our kids ministry people love us after this but that you step into this, this heavenly dance between the Father and the Son that's been happening from eternity past. You, you're painted with the allurement of heaven. All of a sudden, us, our worm selves, as Isaiah said in those verses following Isaiah and 41, we, we are but worms, us as the worms, this, in, this infinite, lowly, condescending eating of dead flesh people that we are all of a sudden are painted with the allurement of heaven and can step in. Lord, I delight in you and you delight in me. <laughs> Woo, and I can step into this heavenly romance and dance and don't, don't have to, I can feast and not be limited. You know, you go to <clears throat> Bob Evans. <laughs> and there's a limit on how much you eat or there ought to be. I know from looking at some of you. <laughs> I love you. I like a good home-cooked meal, too. I, mean, I get it. But you, there's a limit. There's a limit on how much you can eat. Or else you get sick. I've done that. That's not pleasant. That's not fun. It hurts. <laughs> but there, there is a meal that's prepared in heaven for you. There is a heavenly feast that's been laid out. He prepares a table in front of your enemies. And he's laid out the divine delicacies. And you can belly up to the table and eat your full and then some. There's no limit to feasting on God. There's no limit to feasting on his holiness. There's no limit to feasting on his joy. Therefore, endeavor to promote spiritual appetites by laying yourself in the way of allurement. There is no such thing as excess in our taking of this spiritual food. There is no virtue in temperance and spiritual feasting. Help yourself. Fill, fill up and overflow on the goodness of the Lord. You know, one of the greatest... I'll wrap up with this thought. One of the greatest passages of Scripture 
I think of when it comes to delighting in the Lord is Psalms 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. If you can't get spiritually intoxicated on those three verses, you have a drinking problem. You're, there's, it's like it's running through you and... You need to drink a lot more and fill in the holes where you're leaking. Those, those words are powerfully intoxicating. Charles Spurgeon says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What are these green pastures? But the scriptures of truth, always fresh, always rich, never exhausted. There is no fear of biting the bare ground where the grass is long enough for the flock to lie down in it. Sweet and full are the doctrines of the gospel, fit food for souls, as tender grass and natural nutrients. Nutrient for sheep. When by faith we are enabled to find rest in the promises, we are like the sheep that lie down in the midst of the pasture. We find at the same moment both provender and peace, rest and refreshment, serenity and satisfaction. But observe, he maketh me to lie down. It is the Lord who graciously enables us to perceive the preciousness of this truth and to feed upon it. How grateful ought we to be for the power to appropriate the promises. He restoreth my soul. When the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. He does it. His ministers could not do it if he did not. His word would not avail by itself. He restoreth my soul. Are any of us low in grace? Do we feel that our spirituality is at its lowest ebb? He who turns the ebb into the flood can soon restore our soul. Pray to him then for the blessing. Restore thou me, thou shepherd of my soul. <laughs> Woo! Restore. Delight yourself in the Lord. Be joyful. For I, the Lord your God, will uphold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? I pray that tonight you've been encouraged. I pray tonight that the word of the Lord has has deeply rooted into your spirit man tonight and it's even at this moment producing fruit in your life there's no need for you to return home tonight being a cranky christian there's no need for you to return home tonight being a carnal christian there's no need for you to return back to the pig's vomit and sty and all that gross mess out there like the prodigal son come into the father's house tonight and feast on his banqueting table come in to the father's house tonight and have have the perspective of heaven over your life. Stop looking at your circumstance and situation and saying, oh, this is not possible or this could not happen. But hear the word of the Lord over your finances. Hear the word of the Lord over your life saying to you, I, this is the way, walk ye in it. I am the Lord. I am speaking to you and directing your steps. Walk, walk in the steps that the Lord has ordained before you. Trust Him. Trust Him as a little child. Trust Him. Let your faith become like that of 
of a little child and step in, step in. Come in and dance with Jesus tonight. He's calling you in. Don't allow your circumstance and your situation and the people of life to keep you away from the master, but allow yourself to yield and become like a little child dancing with the master tonight. Allow yourself to dance with Jesus. Allow yourself to get caught up in the love and the graces of heaven. Allow yourself to get caught up in the joys of heaven tonight. Don't get caught in the dance of the world of depression and discouragement, but step in and dance with Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let him fill your soul. Hallelujah. Lift your hands where you're at. Let him flood your soul. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, Lord, that the joy of heaven is flooding our souls. Thank you, Lord, that no, nothing, no weapon, no word, no nothing formed against me shall prosper. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that every tongue that rises against us, we shall refute. It shall be pulled down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're working all things for your glory and our joy. Lord, I don't have to be discouraged or found in pity or self-loathing, but I can have the joy of heaven filling my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to be a carnal Christian. I can walk by faith and not by sight. I can walk according to the things that are unseen, for they are eternal. I put my faith and my hope in the things that are not seen. I don't look at my financial bank statement. I don't look at the circumstance. Although those things are real and it is reality, I look beyond what natural eye can see and I look to heaven and know where comes my help in time of need. Lord, that you're working all things for my benefit and for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, that I will command myself to be in a place of joy. I will command myself to be, to line up and to be in a place of the green pastures of heaven and feasting on the word of the Lord, feasting on the joy of heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so
Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.